and we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 176, aka season 2, episode 44, uh, coming at you this Saturday morning. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since this is your number one call-in show, uh, those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So what is going on with you this week, MC? I saw a movie. The best movie in the world. Uh, Highest grossing box office or something like that, at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Infinity Wars. Or Infinity War? I don't even know. Singular. (laughs) Infinity War, yeah. Where uh, some guy, I guess, spoiler alert. Right? No, no need. It's on DVD now, man. If you haven't seen it, too bad. <laughs> well, still, there's there's got to be some people that haven't seen it. So, too late. <laughs> anyway, say spoiler alert. All right, fine. Uh, cl- close your ears if you don't want to hear it. But yeah, I I I think everybody knows this part about it. There's a guy who's trying to kill uh, half the population of the entire universe. Um, How very Malthusian of him. There's some little stones that, that give him the power to do so. Um, and when when I was in high school, I actually came up with that idea. Well, not not, not the killing people, but uh, <laughs> I, came, I came up with the idea that we'd have overpopulation. And that was the subject of one of my uh, my my reports uh, in my in my report writing class. Um, and so I had to find evidence and, you know, have sources and stuff like that. And there's a lot of it. Yeah. There's that, that has been the subject for a very, very long time. Uh, you know, long before I was born, uh, people were worried about that. Um, and I, the reason why I bring it up, cause, cause I came up with that when, when I was in high school, obviously I didn't know any better. Um, I don't know why people don't grow up. You know, <laughs> why, why can't they reform their opinions? Why, why, why are they stuck on things that they thought of, you know, that, that, a, you know, a child could think of or dream up. Um, there's more evidence on the contrary that, uh, you know, may, maybe we'll reach a point where there's too many people, but uh, I think we should just wait until we get to that point and, and we'll, We'll use our ingenuity to to find solutions, yeah, or, or close reduce, to that point, or reduce the population at that point. Um, but at the moment, uh, things are actually getting better. It's, you know, at least for humans, maybe not for all the animals of the earth. Uh, for humans, we're living in the best time ever, um, and it keeps getting better uh, the more capitalism spreads. Uh, people are getting out of poverty and and uh enjoying their lives more so they have more resources the more people are the more resources that we can utilize and and share with other people um and that's the way it works so yeah it's just it's just really bizarre to me that the people romanticize about killing half the population because of of more resources you know just like you know, you have to keep keep the keep the Mexicans out because my jobs. You know, it's like, yes, what? it's the same stupid argument. You know? It's it's it stems from the same root mentality, and yeah, and it it permeates a lot of different. Uh, I'm going to say statist ideals of of how to protect you know protect what they consider to be theirs, right. As far as the overpopulation is concerned, you know, with, with regards with regards to the the actual argument, not necessarily the theoretical movie scenario, uh, it's it's bizarre to me that it's a thing, and I th- I think that it's a thing. Who I was talking to somebody about this, I don't remember who it was. Uh, a lot of the arguments against overpopulation, I think, come out of like crowded cities, right? Like e- even here in Honolulu, right? We, we're on this like tiny little island, and there's like millions of people on this tiny little island. Maybe not millions. Maybe like between over a million yeah. 
definitely over a million, but maybe not millions, but over a million people on this like tiny little island. And it's like, oh man, it's like, it's crowded and it's busy and there's traffic everywhere and it's just cramped spaces and all this other nonsense. Um, uh, until you drive out into like the, the countryside, which there is a lot of countryside and you, you see how much like usable land is still available if people would sprawl out, right? People, people concentrate in cities and then bitch about how crowded it is, but there, there's so much space available. And when you go to like the, the larger, you know, continent of just the United States, right? There's, there's so much usable land available to sprawl out and to homestead and to do whatever you want with. Now, would it be convenient to live out there? No, probably not. Unless enough people, you know, sprawled out with you to, to, to make some of the basic necessities convenient. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of unused space. Um, and then to, to, to your point, MC, uh, where they, where they talk about, um, like the resources, right. That's, that's another part of like human ingenuity where, um, somehow resources are in enough, so in enough of an abundant supply where it ought not be a problem in the future either. Right. The, the, the more, the more people you have, as far as population goes, um, you know, the, the more resources get used up, but also the more resources that get created, right. You, you need more, you need more food. Well then use some of that space to, to, you know, cultivate more farms, right. Oh, some of that space isn't usable for farms. Well, you know, use your ingenuity to make it so, right. They have, they have vertical farms in Japan cause they're on an Island too, with a, with way too many people, you know, depending on who you ask. And they build up and put, you know, and, and put crops and farms and stuff on like, you know, the 50th floor of a building. So there's, there's plenty of ways to utilize those resources. Um, and, and I am not personally concerned about it now. Um, maybe someday in the, in like the far distant future, you know, it could, it could be an issue. Um, but I, I, I always maintain that, you know, um, so, so goes, so goes the resources, so goes technology. It always finds a way to like balance it out for lack of a better term. Right. And even, even now, right. Like, oh, you know, like the, the African starvation problem, that's not even, that's kind of a problem. Right. I mean, it can be a problem and I go, well, look at all the Americans throwing their food away. You know, uh, that could be used to feed starving children in Africa. I go okay, so so you already admit it's not really a problem. It's just allocation of resources, not lack thereof. Well, they said the same thing about China too, but it's it's not my my fault or my problem in, in the U.S. It's it's their own government imposing it on them, and it's the same thing with Africa right now. They're they're talking about stealing farmland away from white people to give it to to black people. Yes, um, South Africa, and yeah, and they haven't considered that maybe the people that they're going to just give the farmland to might not use the, the land to its full potential. And, and maybe they might have a food problem after that. That's what the um, white farmers are saying. You're going to starve but, everybody if you get rid of us. And, and not only that, but the, the politician, I don't know how many there are politician or politicians, plural or singular. I don't know, but, the the president or whatever definitely the president at least he was saying that he he doesn't like that australia is is going to take in refugees yeah he's saying australia is is racist because they're taking in white refugees yep so what is he saying he he doesn't like them but he doesn't want them to leave either like he just wants to kill them Like stay here and be a slave to uh, the black farmers now. I guess yep. that's what he wants. That's it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, total. We're gonna craziness. build a wall around South Africa next. Yeah, total craziness going on there. Um, and uh, yeah, same same thing. But anyway, <laughs> you, you had a, you had a comment about uh, an alternate. Uh, ending for for the movie oh yeah not even not even my original idea right but it it made sense you know it it popped through my head and then someone wrote an article about it 
um, with with the snapping of the finger and eliminating half the population, right? If if you have that much power in the snap of a finger, um, rather than eliminate half the population, why not snap your finger and just double the resources, right? Like, why isn't that why isn't that on the table? You know, I, I get it doesn't make a good movie, um, but still, you know, for someone with that much power and that much you know put that much thought into it, um, you think it would at least cross his mind that it's just as feasible. Um, to do that, right? Just, you know, an in, infinite abundance of resources um, so that no one has to go hungry or starve or whatever. What about that, Mad Titan? That's what I'm talking about. Um, and and w- while we're talking about the universe, um, some people might find this inter- interesting. Um, I follow a, a Facebook page called the Resonance Science Foundation. And uh, there's a guy in here. He's one of the directors, Nassim Haramine. Haramine, yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I think he's from Hawaii, also. But, uh, he lived here or lives here. I don't know. But um, he has a theory that the universe is expanding and contracting all the time, and and not not just uh, not just from a Big Bang. So. Um, I would say that there's probably you know zero chance of ever running out of resources if we're talking about a universe scale you know once yep. once we get to the point where we can harvest the uh, energy and materials from stars um, there's yeah pretty much unlimited at that point so um, probably won't see it in my lifetime but you know <laughs> we're we're getting close to uh, uh, artificial intelligence uh, causing a what they call a singularity where everything grows exponentially faster and so who knows yeah and and there are people out there that's you know that make the claim that we we need to travel the stars to do that and i don't even think i don't even think that's necessarily the case either right there mm-hmm. there's so much unexplored area on like the planet alone you know, to, to, to go after for resources of all kinds, um, that the, that the technology just hasn't, you know, caught up to that, like, you know, like really deep, deep, deep sea, you know, mining of, or, or drilling or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like what, what effect would that have? We don't know because we don't, we, you know, the, the technology or the, was it the physics of going down that deep and, you know, pressurizing the cabin and whatnot just isn't there yet. Yeah. But no there's, one's working on that because everyone wants to go to Mars. There's another thing too, and that's that we already have recycling technology. What if what if recycling got ten times better than it is now? You know, what yeah. if it was cheaper, cheap? You know, what if it was you know twice as cheap to recycle uh, and and to collect everything uh, than than it is to uh, make it make it from scratch? Um, so, what if it know, wasn't it, government mandated? <laughs> yeah. In the past, you know, you'd have the the milk guy, and and they'd reuse the the glass bottles. So, yeah, we have the technology. <laughs> yeah, you leave out your empties, they spray it out. Even even Pepsi and Coca Cola was like reusable glass bottles. Right. They collect, they they re, you know wash and refill, recap, and send it back out. And, and they still do it in India too. And they just glue the the cap back on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, well. <laughs> you might, you might think it's gross, but as far as, as far as like you know, reducing waste, oh, right? Yeah. That's, that's sure. a way to recycle. You know, so someone said like, I recycle every week, right? I, I do my laundry, I recycle my clothes, I use, I use that shirt more than once, right? We, there's a lot of things that you know have have a longer shelf life, or could have a sh- longer shelf life. Um, and even, you know, like papers and plastics and, and bottles and glass and all that other stuff, you know, can be, can be re reused, recycled, uh, in any number of ways. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of I, when the cost becomes, when, when it's profitable to do so, there yeah. you go. Well, s- sorting it is, is a big problem. Um, and I think once we get to the point where we have robots that are, uh, good enough that they can actually like 
let's say open up a dump and just go through and just you know organize and take all the the good stuff yeah. out of it um once we get to that point then then trash will it won't matter anymore <laughs> yeah well you you say sorting it is a problem but it's not it's not a problem of identifying it's a problem of cost right because right. you can hire people to go in and sort but then it just gets expensive right and that's like well well yeah we'll just yeah, set it on fire because that's cheaper and more efficient yeah if you, if you don't have to uh pay somebody to, to to sort it and process it then uh if you know if you could get a robot to do it for much cheaper then then yeah it won't it won't be an issue yeah but then that robot is stealing a job from a human being like picking yeah, we'll fruit find, I, th I think people will find something something else to do um I, I don't doubt that. Um, you know, we we've talked about uh, different solutions before, and I think I think my solution is is a is a good um, what do you call it um, solution? <laughs> it's well, it's 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 also a compromise at the same. It's a compromise without an an actual compromise. Okay. Um, it 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 fits uh, everybody's. Uh, own ideology almost except for the the uh authoritarians of course of course there's, there's people there's people that like it the way it is right now you know <laughs> well yeah and those are the people who, who are making money and profiting off of it right right they the 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 established the established entities always try to protect the establishment yeah. but it's also people that are still stuck in the matrix right the people that go oh well we have to have the Federal Reserve because they're the ones that print our money. Like, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. No, we talked like, about. It. I told you. I had a coworker. Like, same thing. Like, same thing. Wouldn't Wouldn't you rather be the guy that's printing the money? Don't you think that would be you know beneficial to you? You know, if we had you know total freedom, that's you know you could be that person too. Um, and so that's my argument. Like everybody should be able to uh, pick and choose and create uh, to their heart's content. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, well, I think we're there as far as the technology. It's just the the use and implementation, right? The the thou the thousands of altcoins available, I think, is indicative that anyone who wants to can create their own, you know, token or coin or money. Um, sure. E even before Bitcoin, right? You know, you 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 were you could print your own money, like pr printing your own notes is not tech is not counterfeit right it's printing your own notes to pass them off as a federal reserve note that would get you in trouble because there was any number of uh was it last week we talked about this there was any number of community uh community dollars or community notes um circulating in various towns around the united states where you know it was it was usable in that location and that location only you can convert it to u.s dollars a lot of them were just one-to-one you know, you get you take your dollar bill, you convert it to a town note and, you know, support the local community uh, in that town. And then you convert it on your way out, you know, when you when you leave the town or whatever. So it's not it's not unheard of. It's not even illegal. Um, it's just that I think it's just that most people won't do it or take the time and effort to do it. And same with crypto. Not everyone. Not, we're not all each going to have our own individual coins. Um, we're going to find the ones that work best for us. And then that's the ones that we're going to use, right? You know, when when it when it when it proliferates out large enough, um, you know, it'll you know separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. And there's a lot of people seeing that right now, right? With a lot of you know alt with Bitcoin doing whatever it's doing, um, you know, it, it it was up for a little bit, and then I I checked it last night as I was going to bed, and it was like wow, down again for a little bit. Um, and I was like, oh my god, this is this is you know this is, this is killing off all the alts. What's well, killing off all the bad alts, you know, alt, <laughs> you know the, the the ones the ones that are are have a technology that's going to be useful and beneficial to the users, right? Are finding a way to to stick around and and continue on, and it's the ones that were just like you know a pump and dump scheme to you know because people oh my god it's the newest the latest the greatest new whatever, um, those are the ones that are like you know falling off the radar. So just you know just like if we created our own money. Um, not everyone would accept my dollars. Not everyone would accept your dollars, uh, MC, but there's someone out there who would, you know, have enough value or whatever, where like they would be, they would be trusted as the established currency. And that's what people would use regardless of the form that it takes.
It's just that right now people are forced to use Federal Reserve notes. And because it's so prolific, even down to like, you know, giving your children allowance, right? That, that, that's all they know. And then anything else seems odd to them. So it'll be interesting, you know, as we move forward with uh, cryptocurrencies in the future, uh, if, if, you know, when, when crypto parents uh, start, um, you know, start giving their kids crypto allowances or something to that effect, uh, where they go like, oh, what the Fe Federal Reserve dollar? What is, I don't even, I don't even use that, bro. That's so like, that's so old, old school stuff. You know, just, just give me some Bitcoin and we'll, we'll be on our way. Uh, that will be another way that it proliferates is, is, you know, the, the use by the younger generations who, despite, you know, living in the best time ever, right. Um, don't see that don't really see that as far as, um, what people would consider to be, you know, the American dream, right. Get the job, buy the house. Well, jobs don't pay as much as they used to, uh, you know, in, in purchasing power and housing and everything and all the expenses are more expensive than they used to be as far as, you know, value is concerned. And so it's a, it's a, it's, it's the best time ever, but it's also a weird time ever, um, where the older generation definitely had an easier go at getting certain things done than the younger generation and the younger generation, um, of which I would include myself a little bit, although not, not to the same extent. Um, but the younger generation goes like, no, that's, that's silly. Right. You know, I, I you know, I, I don't know how much my parents made, um, but I, I, I know that I couldn't afford the same house, you know, that my parents did. Right. <laughs> like in, in today's dollars, not a chance in hell. And, and right. they go like, Oh, just go, go out and buy yourself a house. And I go with what money, you know, like yeah. I, I rent for a reason when I, when I was renting and I'll be, be renting again soon, but I rent for a reason. And it's because I don't see the value in home ownership and, you know, being that much in debt for that long a period of time. Um, yeah. Just not well, not for me necessarily. The the idea when when you buy is that inflation will will surpass the the value that you put into it. So so that eventually you'll you'll be able to sell it for twice as much. Um, and so it doesn't matter all the the money that you put into it. You'll you'll get more dollar you know Federal Reserve notes by the time you sell it. Um, but my opinion is there's probably better things to put your money into uh, that appreciate faster than a house at this point. Um, yeah, it's weird because, you know, a house is always going to be worth a house. And so, yeah, a lot of times what people do, they buy a house, it goes up in value and they think, oh, wow, I could sell this house and get a bigger house, a better house. And, uh, and now all they end up doing is, you know, having uh, a bigger payment and, yeah, because the bigger house sending. also went up in in price and value too. Right, right. So every everything, you know, everything costs more. So, <laughs> like when yeah. you sell your house, you go, oh, what do, well, now I need a house. The house you buy is also going to be overpriced. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> and and it's it's weird because I have a lot of friends in real estate who who look at a house as an investment, and I go, I don't I don't really see it that way. You know, mm -hmm. like I've always looked at like my a house as you know, the, the shelter that protects me from the elements. Right. And, and is it worth, is it worth that price to me to buy? And I was like, no, cause like I can afford rent, right. I can afford rent and I don't have any of the expenses that come along with ownership or maintenance and, and all that other nonsense that goes along with it. Um, yeah. And, so yeah. and for some people they, they find a way to make it work and it's, uh, you know, especially for people that, that rent out their house, it's a store of value. So, yeah, um, and it is a hedge hedge against inflation. So, um, I think that's I don't know if that's why they call it. Why, why do they call re, uh, real estate real or real property? Why why do they call it that? <laughs> oh, because it's physical property. I mean, that's like it it it's it exists in in the real world, right? It's not like it's not yeah. it's not a financial asset, right? It's right. not like stock in a company. That's not that's not real. That's yeah. not a real physical property. Like your car would be real physical property, right? That's a physical asset. Right on. So, yeah, land, not the worst investment. Uh, depends if you want all the responsibility that goes along with it. 
Yeah, and I don't. I just, I really, I never yeah. did. I never and, did. And me Still personally, I'm, I'm renting also. And I think that's, uh, a, a, you know, for me, it's it's a much more peaceful existence, in, in, in my opinion, and less headaches and, yep. and more more freedom. Uh, yeah, you get a lot of freedom when you rent, too. Like It's easier to just get up and go. Yep. I remember uh, part, of, part of my opinion is shaped by a lecture I heard from Peter Schiff, I think, back in like 2008. Oh yeah. Or he basically well, said, "Yeah, yeah, so, definitely." When, then, and, but that's that's happening again. Uh, the, the problem with it now is that everything is overpriced, so the stock market is way too high. Uh, housing market, you know, they pumped that bubble back up. Um, you know, car prices way too high. Um, uh, every everything is, and so. When you when you pump up the bubble, eventually the bubble's going to crash, and it'll be that much worse, or people will perceive it as that much worse. Um, uh, the uh, being in the U.S., uh, people don't realize we 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 have a long way to go. I mean, but we can get there pretty quick, <laughs> you know. Yeah. If it if it if it turns bad, and and it has, and it has in the past. So, you know, uh, in in the Great Depression, um, how do we get? How did we get so low so fast? Well, you had a government that was trying to fix the problem by burning crops. <laughs> you know? Yep. Like, oh, the pr- prices of crop crops are too low. We have to burn some to make them more expensive, and people were lit- literally starving. So, <laughs> yeah, we have a long way to go down, but you know, depending on the stupidity of uh, of people with guns, um, and I'm talking about the government force, not not individuals. Yep. Um, D- depending on on them uh you know depends on how, how how bad people will treat each other absolutely because the so goes the state so goes the the sheeple right and and imagine here here's another thing right as long as we're talking about bubbles right all the all the fight for 15 minimum wage people who want to inflate right. like the labor bubble like what is what is that crash going to look like you know when there's no jobs you know <laughs> yeah well, that's exactly what happened happening you know, in Venezuela too. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, there's nothing. I saw a picture this morning. It was like a, a before and after of a. I guess it looked like a shop owner, and not only was his shelves bare, but he was he you know he lost a bunch of weight over the years yeah. too because there's oh, nothing yeah. for them to do either. Yeah. And I saw a headline that said like the president finally admitted that socialist policies don't work. Um, but you, but you're also not going to see that coming from, you know, the advocates of socialism. Like, no, no, he, no, he, he admitted that his brand of socialism didn't work. Once, once we do it the right way, then that's when everything will be just fine. Yeah. 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 I, and I still believe like the, the, the main tipping point that the reason why, uh, people won't give up on, on their idea is is simply because rich people exist. It's like, why doesn't, why doesn't the, the, the CEO of Amazon just solve everything? Just click his fingers. Snap. Yep, snap. And then all our problems are gone. Like, doesn't he realize how much power he has? I, I really believe that that's the way they think the world works. Yeah, well, um, there, there was an article about that same thing too, right? Be- Bezos is a like multi-billionaire, and I'm I work for him, but I'm sleeping in my car because I got hurt on the job. Why and, doesn't Why doesn't he buy me a house? And to be fair, I think there is some some criticism to be had of, of Jeff Bezos, but um, I think there's also better things to do than sit around and criticize him or, or try to feel, figure out how to steal his money. You know. Yep. Um. You know, come out with a competitor, um, or uh, you know, t- try to get the employees to stand up for themselves. I mean, you you've had that same experience, you know. At, oh yeah, your job, you know, it's like, hey, stand up, fight for what you want, but do, you know, do it. No, don't just don't just complain about it. Like, tell them what you want and get and try to get it. Um, yeah, I, I so, I've always considered that like. Uh, you know, some people will view that to me as like a benefit. And then I've always, it's, it also comes with drawbacks and, and as sure. a fault as well. 
Right. Right. Because a lot of times you, you, you demand what you want, but if you don't have, if there's no one else demanding it with you, right. You know, then, then it, it falls through, right? Like, no, no, no. I'm, I demand to be, I demand to be heard. Um, but I, it was attributed to Ben Franklin, you know, uh, we must all hang together or surely we will all hang separately or something to that effect. (laughs) You know, it's true in the workplace as well. So I'm not, I'm not anti, uh, What's the word I'm looking? I'm not anti-cooperation and collectivizing uh, a workforce, um, but I'm also like against the current way that unions are structured today, right? Yeah, Where, sure. Well, I mean, once you, once you get the government involved, then it gets all messed up. Yeah, the incentives are perverse. Yes, but you know, if, if we all say you know, if if it's a if it's a mini strike, right? Then then it works. Like my uh, one of the restaurants that I work with. Um, we've talked about this before where they, where they stole our money. They, like, you know, they, they, they really like, they, they changed our pay structure without notice. Um, and so I walked off the job until they fixed mine to something that it was agreeable to. And then one of my coworkers recently kind of did the same thing. Like he's, he said, you know, give, give us back our, our commission or our tips or whatever our you know, that, that part of our, our pay structure or he was going to quit. Um, Hmm. what, what he did differently for me though, is like, I went in there and said like, I want more money. And then here's, here's the terms that I'm willing to work under. He said, everyone gets it or he quits. So he, he negos, he had enough stroke in the kitchen where he negotiated on behalf of everyone. Um, and I haven't checked, I haven't gotten a pay stub that where it's supposed to be uh, in there yet. Um, but apparently he like negotiated it back for everyone. Um, right. So if, if the, if that's true, right, I came out like, you know, with a double bonus cause in, in the, in, in the interim, right. I've gotten two pay raises. Um, and I'm about to get like that bonus structure put back into place. Nice. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if they're going to apply it to me, man. Cause I, I've, I've had my own separate negotiation. I'm, I'm fucking like thrilled if they do. Cause that puts, you know, that puts me way above way above what I initially agreed to based on that structure, but hot damn. So is, you know, and, and the, the sad thing is like, if it's true, um, I miss it. I'm going to be missing a lot of the benefits from that. Um, because, uh, well, health issues, number one, and my, my now, uh, obligation to the free state project. Um, it looks like it's coming to fruition fairly rapidly. So, It'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Like yeah. So, a whole bunch of money on the way out. So I had a, uh, an idea because people, well, Jeff Bezos says the only way I could spend all my money um, is like private space exploration. Like that's sure. the only thing that is, is like a big enough expense, that, <laughs> you know, that he could dream of like doing. Um, a fleet of so, yachts. And so my, what I think is, okay, he, you know, he's a great businessman and all that stuff. And, you know, he, I think he deserves it, but maybe he just needs some creative help. And so I was, I was trying to think of ways to, you know, improve his, his company, improve his image and, uh, and, and make, you know, s- some real change. And so one of the things I was thinking of is changing the, uh, the idea of the the forty hour work week, and there's sure. there's lot there's lots of uh, information uh, that maybe uh, eight hours a day or ten hours a day isn't the I- ideal amount. You know, for some people it is, for, but depends on the people, job. Yeah, yeah, but for a lot of people it isn't. Like for me, I, what I wanted when I was working was a five hour day, and maybe I could even have two jobs. But I just felt like sitting at a desk for eight or twelve hours because you know we worked uh, uh, sh- shift work. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was too much. Like I would, I, I wanted to change. I wanted to do different things, and and uh, and so I think maybe you know, let's say his job is, is a very demanding job. Okay, so make make everybody work like five, five hours a day, and like, and if they really wanted to you know push themselves or whatever they could they could do you know uh, two two five hour shifts or whatever but yeah um, that wouldn't that wouldn't be the norm you know the norm would be five hours and and uh 
and there, there's a lot of studies that say people when when uh when they are uh, most effective um they're they're they, they're work well well working less hours could make them more effective is what i'm saying um, yes they might be able to work harder for five hours than they would for you know for eight hours um yep. so i think challenging the idea of the, you know eight hours or the, the work week um, and, and changing it uh, and, and really experimenting with, you know, trying to give people better lives uh, by, by changing the ideas of, of what work is. I think that would be uh, very beneficial and he has the money to do it. Right. Yeah. He, and it wouldn't be a government mandated 30 hour work week. It would be like, Hey, this is what we're doing at this particular company to see if it works. And, you know, in the case of Amazon and Jeff Bezos, they, they, they can afford to like experiment yeah. wrong, right? They and, can afford to get it that, wrong. They could get more productive, more productivity out of people, uh, and maybe even hire more people. And so more people would have jobs and more people would have jobs that they actually like. Yeah. No, I'm with so, you. Yeah. You know, a win-win for everybody. It could be. Uh, and, and I might be wrong on that, but I think it's an experiment that, that Jeff could could uh you know think about doing and you know to also improve his image and and you know do some good for the world besides um exploring space which you know may or may not be important i don't know it it may or may not be important but like you said if you're looking for expensive things to get into <laughs> there, there doesn't get much more expensive than that uh, yeah. i just i saw an article that um was it Bill Gates uh, and whatever his foundation was has, has given away like 48% of his net wealth to charities. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the article claimed that like saved 6 million lives. I'm not, you know, I don't want to get into that part. Um, but yeah, there's once you get that kind of money, there's a bunch of things you can experiment with in, in business or in philanthropy or anything like that, um, that, you know, that, that could prove a model uh, of success for, for others. Um, I'm, I'm with you on the, I'm, I'm with you on the shorter hours because at, at least m maybe when I was younger, uh, you know, it, like longer days were better. Um, right. but even now, right. I, I work, I work relatively long days. Um, but it's split, right? Like, so I, I work like five hours in the morning, then I get a long break and then I work, you know, five to six hours at night typically. And on other days, you know, it's, it's usually like a five or a six hour day. Um, I think last week, man, we did, we did like an eight hour straight day, like not even a lunch break, just fucking killed it for eight hours straight and then went home. And like, that was, that was it. Like I, there was nothing, I was doing nothing else after that. I was, you know, beat. Um, but for, for office jobs where you're like, we're like, you know, like you were sitting in front of a computer, um, there, like I've, I've probably seen the same studies you did where they say, you know, a lot of that time people are wasting not being right. productive because they can't, you can't sit there and be mentally focused for that stretch of time during that type of work. Yeah. Like and it has to be can. split. Some people, it. some people can, and, uh, you know, more power to them. But uh, on the other side of that too is, is balancing life, life and work. You yes. Know? Um, like, you know, for you or other people, you know, ha having uh, two different jobs or, you know, split up, you know, might work for you, but for other people, um, me personally, I, I have things that I want to do at home. So yeah, like having the extra time, is, it was, is a huge benefit. So, oh yeah. Um, like, was it Thursday, two days ago, I had a bonus day off. I call it a bonus day off cause it's a day that I would normally work. Um, but there was no work for me. Like I, I, there was nothing on my calendar for work. So I had a bonus day off. Um, and Wednesday was a shit day for me. Um, for a number of reasons. Um, so it was, it was nice to have a bonus day off to kind of clear my head and recuperate, but we did a lot of stuff on Thursday, man. You know, um, we, we, we went to the beach in the morning, then we went to like, you know, high tea at noon. Um, then I took a nap cause fuck, it's my day off. I can do whatever I want. And then we went to like, we went out to karaoke after that. So, nice. you know, it was, it was a fun day, um, all around because I didn't have to go to work and, you know, did, did I, could I have better, would it, would it, would I have been better off working? Um, probably if you're looking at just like the monetary, you know, the monetary side of things. Um, but as far as, you know, like getting, getting, getting my head clear and in the right space after Wednesday, um, 
it, it was it was good it was a good thing that I didn't have to be anywhere Thursday morning because I didn't I did not want to I was so checked out at that point it wouldn't even be good to to be anywhere else but you know having a day off and to, you know to to your other point like I'm I'm definitely not one of those people that can sit and do the same thing for you know 10 12 hours straight like, you know more power to those people but one of the reasons having multiple jobs worked for me is because I don't do the same thing two days in a row you know what I mean right like right. my like my my restaurant shifts are scheduled Monday Wednesday Friday and the other job is Tuesday Thursday and Saturdays um, I do this and I you know I'm I'm going to go to work after this um, to do like office type work um, as a as a personal assistant and then that's it, you know, so like no, no, no two days in a row are the same um, because, oh, my God, if I had to wake up, you know, and go back into the restaurant um, after just leaving the restaurant, like I would just I, I wouldn't I wouldn't last very long. But also splitting the shifts. Right. Like I said, working, working for five to six hours and then getting a long break and then working five to another five to six hours. Like I'm out of the house, you know, for, you know, 14, 15 hours a day, but I don't feel bad about it. Right. Like I don't it's not it's not necessarily killing me um, to, to do that because I get that long break in the middle and, it's, you know, makes it makes it like a whole different day by the time I wake up and get started again. But to, to each his own and it should be optional. Right. Like if, if, if Amazon had, you know, like three five hour shifts during a regular work day. Right. You know, or or four or five hour shifts and closed for four hours or whatever then people then employees could have the option you know like you know pick pick the shifts that you want to work um for however many hours you think you can handle but just know that you're you you get a break right you don't have to work five you don't have to work 15 or five to ten straight hours uh 10 straight hours you can work five and then go home rest and come back work another five and then go to sleep and then do it all over again right because i did that for a little while too where i had um i had an early morning shift and a late night shift so i basically you know, my, my sleep cycle was split. Um, I'd get like four hours of sleep between each job, you know, during, during the day, right? Like I, I do the night shift, go home, sleep for four hours, wake up, do the early morning shift, go home, sleep during the middle of the day, you know, take a long nap, um, and then wake up and go back to the night shift. And that, that worked too, um, for me because it was, it was split in such a way where I still, you know, I got enough rest to make it through the shift where I wasn't tired or out of it or, you know, like dragging ass or whatever. Um, and it worked, but like you said, it doesn't work for everybody, but the option should be available. And for me, the option manifests itself in multiple jobs, uh, as opposed to, to one company doing the same thing for, you know, various times. Anything else? Um, no, I'm good. Do you want to, at least mention the headlines or well we got time to get into some we got like 15 minutes to go so headlines oh shoot why is it popping up now government worker oh here you go here here's one here's a work related article for you mc government worker napped three hours per day for four years uh headline sweatshops are like lifeboats for the poor don't sink them uh headline can government make a business work for the good of society uh, headline, cigarette smuggling keeps Illinois residents in affordable smokes. Uh, headline, oh, where'd that one go? Oh, skipping it. Headline, how the free-range kids movement can save parenthood. Uh, where the hell's the headline for this one? Something about TSA. Welcome to the quiet skies. This was an article. I don't, I can't find the real headline. Um, too much pop-ups in the way. But something about like TSA scanning everybody. Um regardless of whether or not you're on the, the list or not. Um, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Oh, anywhere's good. All right. Well, since we're talking about on-the-job stuff and how to be more productive at work, here, here's here's your government job for the day. Government worker nap three hours per day for four years. Uh, the most robust study ever conducted on the topic found that the average California state government worker earned 23% more in total compensation than their similarly skilled and educated private sector counterpart. Uh, the va that value rose to 33% above the private sector counterpart when the value of California's state government workers' legendary job security was included. Uh, but a recent report by the California State Auditor 
leaves one with the impression that the study vastly underestimated the true value of job security for government workers. In February 2014, a DMV employee was documented by her supervisors for sleeping at work. According to four separate witnesses, the employee continued to sleep at her desk for a minimum of three hours per day for nearly four years straight. The most mind-boggling part of this story is that there is no dispute that the employee was sleeping on the job every day for nearly four years. In addition to the four witnesses, her daily sleeping was also documented by supervisors in, in written periodic performance evaluations, which the employee signed off on without disputing any of the factual allegations contained within. When the state auditor got involved midway through 2017, the employee's supervisor defended her failure to perform her core duty by claiming that because she woke up the employee three to four times each day, she believed the employee missed only 20 to 30 minutes of work time daily. Uh, the auditor rejected the obvious falsehood that an employee who needed to be woken up three to four times each day somehow missed only the 20 to 30 minutes of work. The auditor instead found that the employee slept for at least three hours a day from February 2014 through December 2017, a finding consistent with the statements provided by four separate witnesses and the fact that the employee's work output was only 35% of the amount expected. That 35% figure just reflects the number of reports that employees turned in compared to what was expected. If we're measuring productivity or value, it's possible the employee was actually a net negative to the department, given her colleagues and supervisors had to say about the few reports she did turn in. Uh, quote, further, the employee's evaluation mentioned that she made mistakes when entering data. In fact, during the investigation, a witness explained that the employee's work was often so inaccurate that the witness would not trust the employee to accurately enter the witness's own address or vehicle ownership change. Thus, the employee's behavior may have prevented DMV providing the public with an appropriate level of service. So what's the final outcome? Despite sleeping on a job every day and producing error-filled work for four years, the employee received no disciplinary action of any kind and continues to collect her full salary and benefits. What's much worse, in my opinion, is the gross negligence of the supervisor. Uh, the DMV is a large employer. There will be some bad apples. Moreover, if an employee who is sleeping at their desk every day receives no penalty of any kind, it's not terribly surprising that they never change their own behavior. Uh, so what happened to the DMV supervisor who, by her own admission, did not take any disciplinary action against an employee that she needed to wake up three to four times a day every day for four years? Nothing! While the auditor recommended that the DMV take disciplinary action against the supervisor, the DMV countered that because they had no prior issues, they would instead only require that the supervisors undergo training to ensure they understand that employees who sleep on the job every day for four years should be disciplined should such a situation arise in the future. And that is why so many are critical of government. It's not because this story is reflective of government employees generally. It's not. Uh, the audit only occurred because of employees' co-workers who blew the whistle. Uh, the continually justified criticism of government, however, is that it is grossly negligent and irresponsible steward of taxpayer dollars, something perfectly reflected in the DMV's response to the auditor's findings. Uh, end of the article. Your thoughts, MC, on uh, government workers in general uh, and sleep and being able to sleep on the job for three hours a day. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Um, you know, back... Uh, it's probably eight years ago now. They 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 did a study on on the amount of time people were on the computer looking at porn at the SEC. Yep. And it was like it was like half of the time. Like if you added up all the hours that people were supposed to be there, and then uh, added up all the time people were looking at porn, it was like half the time. It's like fifty percent. Yep. So. Um, yeah, people, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't have anything to add to that. Like, like government is just not a very good way to do it. You, you, you're basically paying for incompetence, and when they fail, they want more money, and 
And so. Because it's always a budgetary issue. The problem doesn't go away. So privatize everything. I'm I'm amazed by the SEC article because like I know like I watch porn. Oh, my God. Right. But I know I don't spend that much time on it. Like, you know, four hours a day. But if if you were getting paid to do nothing or, or if you could. Uh, if if all you had to do was be at a desk and and your life is pretty much meaningless, um, yeah, like it's it's possible. That's a lot of porn, man. Yeah. Like I okay, so at at one point I had a desk job, um, and the 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 supervisors there were like pissing me off. Um, like I I was this so I had a. Side note, real quick. So I had another conversation with a coworker briefly last week. I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, um, but we we got like we we got our work done twice as fast as they estimated. And I was like, well, if if I'm that efficient, right, I should get a raise, not be told to slow down in my work. And I've I've had issues like that um, at other jobs in the past where I go like, okay, you pay me to do this, and so I do that, right. And then because I got good at that, you want to give me more stuff to do, but you don't want to pay me anymore. So now, now you're paying me, you're paying me the same to do more work. Like I'm, there's no benefit for me there. Right. So we, we need to discuss, um, you know, what I'm getting paid to do. And you know, that, that, that's what I'm talking about. Whereas it usually doesn't go well, um, for me because they don't see it that way, you know, obviously, um, but anyway, so I, I was at this job and they, you know, I, I had basically checked out because I had gotten most of my work done. I was helping other people with their work and they were still giving me shit, right, for, for you know, not things that I was doing. Um, and so I, well, and so I decided at that point, well, I'm, I'm just going to like sit at my desk and read books, right? I, I, may, I make, you know, I, I was doing collections, so I was making phone calls a lot of the time. Um, but the, the amount of phone calls that I had to make did not fill up my month, right? Like I, I call through them and then I call through them again and I, then, you know, then, then, then we process and send out letters. Um, but doing the letter processing and sending out, like there's no phone calls for you to make, uh, any more phone calls like, you know, is, is tantamount to harassment at that point. Um, so I said, all right, well, since, since I'm helping everybody else and I'm getting crap from you guys, I'm just going to sit at my desk and read a book. So I, I started downloading books. Uh, oddly enough, uh, mostly from the Mises Institute. Um, uh, and I would make a phone call here and there, or answer a phone call here and there. And I would just, I would just read, read like, you know, PDF books all day long. Um, so not, not sleeping on the job and not getting, you know, still, still getting paid to, to do what I was supposed to do. Uh, but not making myself available to do any of the other shit that they wanted to pile on me, um, with that, without compensating me. So I, I read a handful of books on the clock. That's about, you know, that, that, that was my, um, get back, if you will, you know, to, to utilize my free time while I work. And it's another thing where, you know, like, like we started off saying, um, could I have been more productive with a shorter work day for the same pay? Absolutely. Right. Cause then, then I would, I would be doing the same thing. Um, but maybe, you know, stretch it out, right. Rather than working for four hours and reading books for four hours, um, yeah, I could, I could give them a solid six hours of work and get paid for eight. And then I'd have two hours to read my books. Right. And I, you know, no big deal, more, pro, more productivity there. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like I wasn't getting my due, so to speak. Um, you know, with, 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 uh, with the pay. Does that make sense? Yep. And I'm, and I'm sure, you know, it, it always reminds me of, um, one of the Mission Impossibles where he's, where he's like sitting at his desk playing like Halo, right? Until the boss walks in, then he like switches screens, you know? You remember that? He like drops the controller in the drawer. Like, oh, no, no, I'm analyzing data, you know? Nope, just, just sitting there playing Halo all day long. Like, what, what fun that would be. And of course, right, government job right there. You know, on, on the clock getting paid, you know, to, to do that. Um, but yeah, sleep, sleeping at work... Um, not has never maybe in college right there was a lot of times where you just show up exhausted from you know taking exams and whatever that i nodded off but never it's never been like my goal to like sleep on the job 
right? I, and I don't do that kind of work where that's, you know, even possible. But, you know, it makes, it makes me wonder, you know, am I in the, am I, as an anarchist, am I in the wrong here in, in working in the private sector? Should I just go get me a cushy stay job and be as unproductive as this person, right? Get, get, get paid by the state to like subvert it from the inside. Would that, would that be inside the system activism? <laughs> sure. What if all anarchists got government jobs and just like didn't do anything? And joined their union so they couldn't fire us. We just shut it all down. I don't know. All right. One more article? Or do you want to cut it early? Uh, up to you. All right. I'll, I'll read this one because I think it's short enough to get through. And then I don't know how brief the comments are going to be. How the free range kids movement can save parenthood. On a cool Virginia day in 2011, Kim Brooks let her son wait in the car for five minutes while she ran into the store. Someone saw this and called 911 and got Kim arrested. But she had she literally put her son, but had she literally put her son in harm's way? No. This was a thought crime. The cops thought up a scary scenario that could happen no matter how unlikely, and that's all it took. Now Brooks has the weekend's most read piece in the New York Times, Motherhood in the Age of Fear, she writes. Uh, the police seemed to think it was child abuse or neglect, that someone could have hurt or kidnapped my son while I was gone. When I tried to explain this to my outraged father, he said, last I checked, kidnapping is a crime. Someone could break into my house and shoot me in the head, but the police aren't showing up to, to arrest me if I forgot to lock my door. I don't think they see it the same way when kids are involved, I told him. The same way, he said? You mean rationally? You go, Dad, and you go, Kim. Uh, in her fantastic new book, Small Animals, Parenthood in the Age of Fear, Brooks eventually moves from shame to anger as she starts digging into this obsession we have with child kidnapping, predators, and all sorts of worst-case scenarios that we use as an excuse to hector moms who dare take their eyes off kids. After all, she writes, uh, Statistically speaking, a child is far more likely to be killed in a car on the way to the store than waiting in one that's already parked. Uh, but we have decided such reasoning is beside the point. It was beginning to understand that it didn't matter if what I'd done was dangerous. It only mattered if other parents felt it was dangerous. Uh, when it comes to kids' safety, feelings are facts. Uh, the decision to act out of fear as if they are real, the definition of panic, has changed both childhood and parenting. If kids are no longer allowed any freedom, parents aren't either. The result for kids is a childhood where they are monitored, shuttled, and kept inside like prisoners. Uh, no wonder childhood diabetes, anxi anxiety, and even suicides are up. But if children must be guarded, parents must be guards. That means that parenting has gone from teaching kids independence, be home by dinner, to stunting it. It also means getting screamed at or arrested if you dare trust your kid and your community. <coughs> Excuse me. Brooks argues that moms bear the brunt of this because when the definition of caregiver becomes person whose job it is to protect children from ever-looming death, any distraction is tantamount to endangering a precious child. Uh, but Brooks also thinks we might just be getting sick of the histrionic terror in these safest of times and that things are beginning to change. In March, Utah became the first state to pass a law protecting free-range parents. Other states may soon follow. Uh, Lenore Skenazy, the founder of the Free Range Kids Movement, is the president of Let Grow, a nonprofit that helps parents, teachers, and organizations find ways to support childhood independence and resiliency. And among mothers I know... There seems to be a slow brewing backlash that the ideas we should let our lives be ruled by the twin fears of danger and disapprobation. Uh, when more states like Utah, when more states pass Utah-like laws declaring that there is a difference between taking your eyes off your kids and neglect, uh, more parents will be able to breathe a little freer, which means kids will be able to breathe freer, which means we will all enjoy a freer country where we can't arrest parents just because we've lost our minds. Uh, and then there's a link for, for free-range parenting. Um, so your thoughts on this, MC. Um, how free-range were you as a kid? I was pretty free-range. I could, I could go, you know, if I, had, if I had the money, I collected enough nickels and quarters or whatever, uh, I could take my bike to the 7-Eleven uh, and drive, ride through the park and uh, we, we, we did have a pretty nice community though. Um, yeah, but yeah, I was able to do pretty much whatever I wanted. Yeah. Same here. Same here, depending on where I was at. Like my parents are divorced. 
Um, so when I was with my dad, it was like lock and key. Oddly enough, right? Like you'd think the dynamic would be a little bit different. But under my dad, it was lock and key. Uh, not allowed to even like cross the street to go anywhere, you know, with, out of his sight. Uh, and then when I would go uh, visit my mom, um, it was basically like this was pre, pre-cell phones, right? So there was like a whiteboard, right? And when we left the house, we would just write on the board where we were going and what time we were expected back, right? Like gone to town, be home by dinner, love you, bye, right? And then, you know, just like you off on our bikes, we went. Um, and then I, uh, I was t- talking briefly to one of my sister's tenants um, who has a son. And she was like, gonna, you know, going to go for a walk down the street to the store to save gas. I'm like, why don't you, can't you just ride the bike? I'm like, well, because I got the kid. I'm like, why don't you just put the kid on a bike? It's like, oh, it's too dangerous. I don't know how old the kid is, but he's not, you know, he's, he's not like, he's not a toddler, right? He's like, he's old enough, you know, to, to kind of keep up, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but either way, right, you know, she, she had the fear that it was like too dangerous for him to be out on, on a bike on the road with her, right? Like supervised, you know, and I think that's a, that happens a lot um, with sheltered kids, right? They, 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 they'll never learn how to get out on their own if you're constantly monitoring them, right? What, you know, being there and allowing them to like use their critical thinking skills when you're there to kind of like, you know, coach and assess and give some guidance uh, will probably serve them well when they're, when they're eventually forced out on their own, you know, just by life circumstances um, to, to deal with certain things, right? Like we, you know, we, we knew how to be safe on a bike, um, you know, going out into the community and, uh, you know, into town because that's what we did. Um, we weren't, you know, it wasn't like the pickup drop off, you know, monitor and GPS and checking on your cell phone and all this other nonsense. Um, not that that's a bad thing, right? Like I, you know, it, it's, it's weird to, to, you know, to think about like, how did, how did everything exist before like the cell phones? Right. You know, like I told you, we went to the beach, um, on Thursday, and our, uh, one of M's friends was like meeting us at the beach. And so they were like, you know, we, we tried to give them directions to the beach and it's like, it's a, you know, they they live in California now, but her friend is like from here. So it's, it's not like, it's not like this beach is a new experience for them. I was like, where, where are you at? Like, how do, how do, how do I get to you? And the first thing I was thinking like, how did this work before? Right. Like before you had to like call them on a landline phone discuss where you were going to meet and then they had to just like both just had to like be there right there, there was no you know the, there was no like checking in halfway through the trip you just all right i'm meeting you there i'll see you there and boom somehow you both managed to be there <coughs> uh, but this time you know bec- because the friend was like lost or confused or whatever i was like just drop a pin just drop a pin where we're at and then send them the pin you know so 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 they know exactly where we're at you know and so the friend got there, and I was like, "Did the pin work?" And and uh, the friend's husband was like, "Oh yeah, that was beautiful, man. I think sometimes we forget that that technology exists, because that was that's exactly what we needed." I'm like, "Well, you're welcome." <laughs> but how do, how did it work before? You know, like when when we were riding around town and couldn't check in, and it's not like I stopped off at a payphone every half an hour and called my mom to let her know where I was at. It just you know you just kind of you left and then you got home and that was the end of that and no one no one cared or thought any different. And I don't know, I don't understand how that generation, right, of, of what, what I would consider us to be like, you know, free range kids to begin with. I don't know how our generation turned into such like helicopter nanny bitch parents um, when yeah. it comes to like. Well, I have, I have an idea and that's uh, J- Jordan Peterson brought it up. And, and that is because people started having fewer children and later in age. And therefore, they they say, well, this is the only one we got, or maybe two. Um, so okay. we we got we got to get it right. We you know can't screw up because you know if we screw this up, well then, then their whole future is messed up too, right? Okay. Um, so farmers so, with six kids could let one go and like, ah, eh, we could still oh, got yeah. five more. All right. Yeah, and they, <laughs> and they could you know they could regulate themselves. Like you know they had enough social experience and stuff like that. Um, so, so now it's really, really dangerous, scary thing to have kids, right? So, um, 
so yeah, they, they won't they won't take risk. But not only that, but people assume because that that they are trying so hard and they're so afraid of you know screwing it up that everybody else should should uh, behave the way they do also. Okay, and so if they're not, that's, that's, if... The, that's the bad part. Is you know, so they're super protective of their children. Everybody else has to be super protective too, or else they're bad. Okay. All right. Yeah. And that's and that's where it gets to the government thing. And it's just like, man, there ought to be a know. law. <laughs> there ought to be a law regulating everyone to treat their kid like I treat mine. You can't. You can't leave your kid in the car anymore. That's just wrong. You know, like what? <laughs> Seems stupid to me. That's okay. So, I guess final thought for me, um, that was oddly enough not not contemplating death necessarily, but like you know thinking about like what's going to end up being on my headstone, and the the only thing I could think of at the moment was like you know, um, you know the 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 the, the live die date, and then you know the world wasn't ready for me yet. <laughs> you know, because I fucking so much so much stupid. It's the only thing I can say. There's so much stupid, and and it's it boggles my mind that I go like, that's so stupid, and people will disagree. Like, oh no, that's that's how it has to be. They go, no, it's stupid. Like, I I can't even. I don't even want to like process a better word for how much stupid there is around me. Um, that I go, that, that's stupid. You know, it's, right. it's the best I can do in in a lot of situations. And someone goes like, why? Why is that stupid? And I'm like, well, let me tell you why it's stupid. Since you can't figure it out on your own. Um, so yeah, the, the the world's not ready for me yet. Because because things things like this make no sense to me, and yet I'm in the minority. Final thoughts from you? I'm good. Thanks. All right, let's wrap it. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us: uh, anarchistexperience.com. Facebook.com slash anarchist experience. Uh, if you want more articles, the ones we didn't get to, it's in the groups. Facebook.com slash groups slash anarchist experience. Find us on the Twitters, uh, twitter.com slash the anarchist exp. And if you'd like to contribute to the, to the show financially, Patreon is still where we're at because we haven't gotten booted off of that yet. Uh, Patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. <laughs>